A popular Outcast production. Hello, welcome to the Portable Power Podcast, episode 34. We're recording on November 24th, 2014. And we're the only mobile podcast where the carpets match the drapes. <laughs> it's true. If you look under our skirts, you'll see nothing there but what you see on our head. <laughs> you'll actually see another head. That's not, no. My name. <laughs> I just, I just got a picture of that. It was upsetting. Yeah, but instead of what you're actually talking about, I just imagined another Kevin's face up there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, I'm. My name is Emrys Smith, and I'm here with Kevin Seibert and Mark Matters. Okay, Mark. We'll start with you. Hi. How are you doing this evening? I'm sick, so you may not hear a lot from me this episode. I understand. What are you drinking? Um. Well. I have some hot tea here with honey and lemon, hoping that it makes for a better podcast in the end. It's very soothing. Yeah. What have you been playing that's not for the podcast? Well, I've been playing Super Smash Bros. for Wii U, and Excellent. it is incredible. How does it stack up? Um, how does it stack up to the 3DS version? Yeah. You know, it's so much better. I mean, in every way. <laughs> now... I did go back and play the 3DS version a little bit um, on a lunch break at work, and it's it's still a great game, but the the Wii U version is the definitive version of this game. It's just bigger and looks better, and there's just way more of everything. One of the complaints I had about the 3DS version was this, uh, the stage selection. Well, I do not have that complaint with the Wii U version because I don't know that there's a bad stage in there. It's really cool. really good selection of classic stages and the, the new stages are pretty darn good too but um being able to play it with a gamecube controller or even the wii classic controller or the wii u pro controller like whatever like it's just so much nicer than playing with the 3ds yeah that's not too surprising to me yeah i had an eight-man smash tournament at my house and it was just bonkers it was insane it was so much fun playing with eight people seems like too many to me it's a little crazy. Um, there's a lot going on, obviously, and you can get sandwiched really easy and can't do anything. But um, yeah, I don't know. There's a novelty factor. We'll see if that wears off. But definitely, it's just it just feels good to play that way. Um, I don't know. It's just insanity. That's what Smash Bros. is to me. It's just that insanity. And, you know, I'm not a great player. Yeah. I came in last in this tournament, and uh, I didn't even care. I had a blast with it. It was completely silly. Who did you play? I was I played as like twelve different characters. I didn't stick to uh, a main character or anything. Oh okay. And uh, have you used your amiibo at all, or just to just to look pretty? I have used. I got Samus just because I, I like Samus as a character, not necessarily in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've been messing around with her, and it's interesting. I, I I'm not sold on it. 
like you basically are creating a AI ally or opponent by battling against them or with them and they learn and apparently they're very smart I've been reading a lot of message board posts and stuff like that about them and they seem really intelligent for for AI uh, opponents and it's cool because like in the normal game you can only play up to like a level 9 AI for challenge if you want to play against the computer well this thing learns up to like level 50 mm. and I don't know if the le- they're the same oh, wow. level standards but um, it just—it's a very advanced AI. Somebody used one in a tournament over the weekend, and it came in like 17th place out of 40 people. Wow! So it's pretty cool, but I don't know if it's for me. I also used Samus and Mario Kart to give my me racer a Samus outfit, but I, I don't really play <laughs> as my me ever. I don't know. They're cool. I—I'm I, more into collecting them than I am using them in the games. Yeah, I've always just kind of yeah. wanted uh, like quality nintendo like plastic figurines yeah well the quality's hit or miss i gotta say you you want definitely want to like look at the characters before you buy them like give them a really good up close because the paint jobs and the construction can be pretty uh all over the place really yeah there was a kind of surprising there was a samus at gamestop that i looked at the day after uh because i had to pick up my gamecube adapter because they didn't ship with the game i don't know because whatever so the one that they had there, the only one left, like there was a big smudge on the visor where the green paint was smeared. I'm like, wow, this is really kind of shitty. Yeah, I'm I'm holding out for Toon Link and Mega Man. Oh uh, yeah, that's like spring or something like that. Yeah, I'll just have to make it through a dark winter without any amiibos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Mark, what is your most memorable RPG experience? Um, uh, it's probably the opera scene from Final Fantasy VI. Because, oh. you know, we talked about this in an earlier episode of our show, but that moment, well, that, that scene, I'll call it, completely, like, turned everything I thought I knew about video games on its head. Like, up until then, the game was very, you know, there's a lot of talking, a lot of um, cutscenes, you know, very primitive. It's a 16-bit game, but when it got to that opera scene, and it was like, a, suddenly it was like a musical, and... The music was beautiful and moving and everything, and I was hooked. Like, I think I've been chasing that moment ever since and have rarely found a game that has moved me quite like that. That's a that's a top top tier one, for sure. Did you ever finish the iOS, or I mean, sorry, the, the Android version? You know, I never did. I have this problem with games I review for the podcast where I, I play them up to the podcast point and then I review them and then I put them down. And never play them again. <laughs> I do that with all the mobile games, but definitely didn't do that with Fantasy Life or Smash Bros. Yeah. Or Pokemon. I put another 100 hours into Pokemon after we recorded the podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I actually, I crested 250 hours in Pokemon Y. Ugh. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm at like 180. What'd you do, Kevin? Well over a hundred, but okay. let me, uh, I can actually look it up right now. I actually requested more time from Kevin on Pokemon the other day, and he practically cried. <laughs> I did not want to play, I did not, like, it's, it. the sad thing is, all I would have had to do is walk down the hall and across a room, and, but like, man, I, w- I was in artist mode, I didn't want to, Yeah. I didn't want to interrupt what I was doing, because, like, I, I know how it works. Like, I get into a zone, I have to keep going. Um, yeah, yeah. And, okay, I, like, did the least in Pokemon X, as it turns out, 114 hours. Hey, at least you crossed 100 hours, you know. Yeah. I still respect you. 
Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I. I mean, it. It's nowhere near as much as I played like Animal Crossing or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, Kevin, how are you doing this evening? Oh, I'm doing all right. Not too shabby. What are you drinking tonight? I'm drinking a um, 21st Amendment Brewery Brew Free or Die IPA. Oh, I've had that. Yeah, I I like it all right. If you come out to visit again soon, we'll, we can go to that brewery. Oh, yeah. Are, are they close to you? San Francisco. Nice. Yeah. I didn't realize that they were there. What are you playing that's not for the, for the podcast? I have still been playing Fantasy Life after um, our last episode. I continued on with it and put another 40 hours into the game. You beast. And I still haven't finished it. You mean you haven't finished the story? Yeah. Yeah, uh, the story's okay. Emrys, you finished the story too, huh? Yeah, I did. Yeah, it's it's whatever it is, but yeah, it's just all about that class system. Life system, sorry. Yeah, I, I, I love the lives. I, I, I didn't really think Angler was that great, but everything else I've tried... The only ones that I haven't tried at this point are Wizard and Chef. I'm all about Wizard. I think that'll be the next one I, I go all the way with. Yeah, I, I've gotten to hero with most of the ones that I have played at this point. I blitzed through the game and got to Master in Paladin, and then I stopped. Well, Pokemon came out. Yeah, I mean, you can't you can't be playing Fantasy Life and Pokemon at the same time. That's true. Well, maybe once um your Pokemon craze fizzles out a little bit, maybe we'll all get the DLC and we'll try to tackle that at three player. I think that'd be an awesome time. You have to be level 50 to do the DLC. Oh, No well, problem there. I'm like 60-something. I'll drop a few hours into it. Or I'll just play with Kevin and have Kevin kill a bunch of stuff. And it'll level me up yeah. really fast. Yeah, you always spike. do like a giant level spike whenever uh, we're at, Like, I haven't leveled up in, you know, hours, and you've leveled up three times. <laughs> What's your most memorable RPG experience? You know... It's sort of unfair because I played World of Warcraft for a while, and I feel like most of the experiences that I had in that trump any conventional one-player RPG. Not to belittle any of the scenes in Final Fantasy VI or some of the really powerful ones in Final Fantasy VII, Mm -hmm. but I think probably my most memorable experience in an RPG has to be... um, I joined a guild during my stint playing World of Warcraft, and it was actually, like, a really good guild. Like, every every server has that shitty guild, like, shadow-melted moonkins on Destromath, where I played. Um, I have no idea what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, my, my guild, you actually had to go through, like, an interview process to join. Um, and that was because they didn't allow shitheads to play in the guild. So, the one day, we had some members of the guild who were uh, questing with some of their lower-level alts in the Stranglethorn Vale when a bunch of Horde jumped them, like, who were much higher level. So they went into guild chat and asked for help. So a group of three of us, uh, one of our guild leaders who was a paladin, a DPS hunter, and I went on with my shaman, Spect Healing, and we just spent two or three hours in Stranglethorn Vale ganking these horde repeatedly. And it ended in this massive brawl in the middle of Booty Bay, which you can't supposedly do because the goblin guards will like attack you if you start any shit there. So I'm healing my guild members 
while we're killing these horde people again and again, like every time they res, we'd just kill them again, and they'd keep attacking us and we'd kill them again, and it just was this massive, like, teamwork experience that was just really fun for me, mostly because we were winning. So, Emrys, how are you doing tonight? Well, I'm doing swell. Are you drinking anything? I have some hot tea as well for the caffeine. That's not too caffeiny. You guys could be British and having tea time right now. I am drinking English breakfast tea. English breakfast at That's night? That's what I had. Caffeine has no effect on me. I'm immune to it. That's like breakfast for dinner, guys. I had pancakes last night with hash browns and applesauce. Whoa. I'm breaking all the rules. Dude, I'm 34. I do whatever I want. Oh, man. <laughs> I can't wait until I'm 34. <laughs> Next year. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, what are you playing that's not for the show? Oh, I've been playing Pokemon for the past couple of days. That's sort of for the show, but I would be doing it anyway. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then League of Legends. I never miss my um, chance to get my win of the day. I just, I don't understand how you continue to do that to yourself, but good on you. You know what? I think I have this attitude with all random, all mids, where I'm not... I never get too upset about them unless I lose like 15 in a row. So I can just get on there and play that mode and have and have genuine fun without losing my mind. I just random Trindamir all the time. Oh yeah, I do too, but I just re-roll. I run out of re-rolls. Yeah, I have so many characters that I get a re-roll like every couple of games. So oh, it's okay. not usually too bad. But yeah, I've just like I can't play I can't play Summoner's Rift mode, which is like the main competitive mode, mm-hmm. because that's too, like, my ping is too high, and it's really frustrating. Dat Netflix, though. Yep, Dat Netflix. It's, a, it's got a fat ass. <laughs> and uh, what is your most memorable RPG experience? My most memorable RPG experience is definitely Final Fantasy VII. It's a good answer. As a whole, yeah. It's a classic, um, and it's, I think, the first RPG that I ever really got invested in, mm-hmm. where I actually, like, cared about the mechanics. That Materia system was addictive. Yeah, and it's, I didn't even really understand how to play properly. Like, looking back, I had no idea how to, like, maximize my party and how to actually like, equip people properly. Well, the game was easy enough you didn't really need to. Yeah, for sure. That was what was so addictive about it, was that even though I I didn't know what I was doing, I could still succeed. Mm -hmm. And the story was really interesting, and it, like, grabs you. Like, this character Cloud is kind of interesting, and what he goes through is interesting. Yeah, I agree. And, well, spoilers... For anyone who hasn't played Final Fantasy VII and actually wants to. <laughs> I haven't finished it. Do you intend to? I probably know what you're going to say anyway. Just go ahead. Did you did you spend the entire game wishing Ares would come back? Yes. Yeah. Like, I spent the entire game expecting her to come back, and she never did, and it was devastating. Nope. Well... She kind of come back, comes back at the end as, like, a vision, but never as a character. Right. You guys, uh, have you heard about the 3DS game... Final Fantasy Explorers? No. No. Well, she's back in that. Wow. <laughs> Is that canon, though? Uh, probably not. It comes out next month in Japan. Hopefully we'll get it next year, but I think this might be another uh, 
I don't know if it'll be another fantasy life for us, but it's it's kind of similar to Final Fantasy Crystal, Crystal Chronicles-ish. Oh. I didn't like Crystal Chronicles. Well, still, we need to review something for the show. <laughs> <laughs> I can no. always spew hate. It, it looks good. Like, I think you should actually look it up. Check it out. All right. You mean right now? Yeah, we're going to stop recording. The <laughs> end. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> BRB. Good episode, guys. Kevin, why don't you uh, go into your review? For this episode, I am reviewing Mimpy, which is a game for iOS and Android, developed by Silicon Jelly and published by Crescent Moon Games. Uh, It's currently free to download. It's a little bit older. It was originally um, $2, but as of right now, it is free. Mimpy is a platform puzzle game where you play a dog, this little white terrier-looking sort of thing, who wakes up to discover that his master is gone, so he embarks on a journey through a strange world to find him. As I said, it's a puzzle platformer. It incorporates the, t- the touchscreen to interact with environments and solve environmental puzzles. You sort of have to look for something in the environment that seems out of place or maybe like it doesn't belong, and that gives you sort of a hint that that's something that you have to interact with to solve a puzzle to continue your progression through the game. It's very similar to WayForward's A Boy and His Blob in the environmental puzzle and die and retry format. It's also kind of similar to Limbo, if you've ever played that. I'm assuming you're not talking about the game you play on roller skates? No, no. Uh, uh, Yes. (laughs) 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 Talking about the, the point where all the People, all the eight-year-olds get concussions because they lean back too far. <laughs> <laughs> so you have to sort of perceive the, what, the, what the puzzle is, then find the elements that go together to be able to solve it. It's usually fairly intuitive. Sometimes you have to. Sometimes they're pretty brain-busting, though, in this game. Um, in addition to trying to get through the level, you also are trying to find nine bones, which are the equivalent of like Mario's star coins. They require a bit of searching and occasionally death-defying stunts involving platforming. You can also find light bulbs hidden throughout the levels, and those will grant you one hint at a puzzle if you get stumped. Each puzzle has three hints, so, you know, the first hint sort of, like, gives you an idea of, like, what the elements are, and they become more... They spell them out a little bit more with each hint that you buy with your with your light bulbs. Um, there are not nearly enough light bulbs in the game, though, to do that with every puzzle, so it encourages you to use them sparingly. The um, Another thing about this game is, uh, like a boy in his blob, Mimpy will die a lot. Yeah. Um, because there's a lot of experimentation, but your checkpoints are pretty frequent, and your lives are infinite, so it's really only a temporary setback and a mild annoyance, for the most part. It's a creepy game. It is. It is, yeah. Like, the... The colors are bright and cheerful, but the sound design has this very, like, this air of mystery and it's pretty eerie overall like especially like the creature designs are extremely creepy yeah that's kind of what reminded me of limbo the most how it's like on on the surface it's like almost kind of cute but then it's super dark too 
Yeah, and, and well, the, it's very lonely. Like, the dog never appears, like, overly sad. Like, his tail's always wagging. But, like, it's very, like, it's very lonely and just bizarre. And the monsters are, they look sort of like something that a three-year-old came up with. And then an adult went back and cleaned up the drawing that three-year-old did. Uh, yeah. It's usually a thought, the game is usually a thoughtful puzzle platformer that gives you time to take in the sights, but occasionally it does speed up through some areas that require you to keep ahead of a hazard, such as like advancing lava or something, and that's where the game becomes frustrating because the controls are not tight enough to require speed or finesse. In-app purchases exist, but they're not offensive, and this is probably due to the game originally being released at $2, so it wasn't originally making money off of its in-app purchases. Mm. So you're only buying things like skins or hint packs. Like, you can buy additional light bulbs if you get stumped on something. So it's nothing that's necessary to, you know, play the game or... You know, it's no, it's not a pay-to-win approach unless you get incredibly frustrated and can't fi- can't figure out a puzzle. What I, what I found myself doing was I would just start the game over, collect, you know, advance through the puzzles I had already figured out, and then use a light bulb on something that I couldn't get through. So that's sort of the overview of the game. I'm going to go through like the good and the bad at this point. Um, the graphics are in the good category. They they aren't complex, but they have a distinctive style and the characters are well animated. The art style is bright and cheerful. Yeah, very crisp. And, like, if you let Mimpy sit for, like, a long time, he'll sort of, like, shake his head around and, like, look at things in the environment and wag his tail. He acts like a dog. (laughs) The creatures you encounter just seem like a fever... like they're created in a fever dream, or, like I said, by a three-year-old. The sound design is really strong. Like, the, the... there aren't really any memorable tunes in the game, but it does create a general sense of uneasiness and just, like, a very melancholy experience, I, I thought. Like, you know, it sort of feels like a dog missing his master on an alien planet, and which is exactly what the game is, so the sun design is spot on. The puzzles are occasionally tricky, and that makes them much more satisfying to solve, like combining diverse elements and then finally figuring out what you have to do with them. It's... A unique take on a platformer, the game tends to require you to find ways of bypassing enemies rather than defeating them. Like, a lot of platformers, like, you have to shoot your enemies or you have to jump on their heads, and this is just, nope, just find a way to get around them. There are only a couple of cases where you actually have to defeat an enemy. Uh, And that's usually still in a very inventive way. It's almost like if Doctor Who became a dog. Well, the Doctor, not his name's not Doctor Who. (laughs) That remains to be seen. What? What? I have this theory. Okay. Right, and you know how the doctor's real name is like a big secret. Mm-hmm. I have this mm-hmm. theory that eventually could be another fifty years down the road or something. They're going to reveal his name, and it's like who? <laughs> his name's just who? Whether it's H U, and he's actually Chinese or something, whatever. But it's <laughs> that's my theory. His name is actually going to turn out to be who? It's possible. The the use of the touchscreen to interact with the environments is another strong point for the game. Like, it strongly utilizes the touchscreen, which, you know, plays to the platform's strength. There aren't a lot of bad things about the game, but the one thing that really stands out is that the controls are not great, which normally isn't a problem due to the plotting, methodical nature of the, the game. 
But then when you do get to some of the trickier underwater segments that require tight navigation through hazards, or you have to outrun a flow of lava, the controls fight against you, and it's massively frustrating. Mm. The game does have controller support, but who has one of those things? Yeah. You don't hear much about them anymore. Right. Right. So... Overall, Mimpy is charming and a lot of fun, and now that it's free, there really isn't a reason for you to not check it out. It is one of the best platformers on the App Store. I would agree. I'll do my review quick, so we can save the big review for the end of the episode. Oh, are we doing our portable pass to the middle of the episode? Are we bucking trends? I feel like it's... I feel like to do Pokemon and then do this game is like... <laughs> it's like an anticlimax. I would agree with you. <laughs> it, it, it would be like this podcast, it would be the equivalent of like Lord of the Rings Return of the King. It's just like, oh, I thought, it, <laughs> I thought it was over and here's some more and it's not really bad, but I'm just kind of ready to go now. <laughs> yeah, really. All right. And then dancing on the bed. Yeah. Power Podcasts, our portable past segment. I'm reviewing Donkey Kong, also known as Donkey Kong 94 by you hipsters out there, developed by Pax Softonica. None of those are real words. Uh, originally released in 1994 for the Nintendo Game Boy, now available on the 3DS eShop for $3.99. I got it for free, kind of. This was a, a Club Nintendo reward a while back, and since I'd never played it, and yet I heard so many like glowing things about it. I jumped on the chance to, to download it for next to nothing. Um, Don't over- be so modest. Miyamoto-san gave it to you because you guys are so tight. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's it. Overall, though, um, I am impressed, and I'll go more into that. But having played it 20 years after its release, I can definitely say I sort of missed out on both like the newness factor and nostalgia factor. So, for me, it wasn't like this heaven-sent gaming experience from the gods that some people make it out to be. So you, as Mario, formerly known as Jumpman, uh, you start out playing on a monochromatic version of the uh, iconic girder level that we've all played a billion times from the original Donkey Kong. And from there, you progress onto the three other levels from the original game, and, you know, of course, each time you succeed, the damn ape snatches your sweetheart, Pauline, I guess her name is, right? Um, snatches her back up and carries her off to the next level, as he always has, but this isn't just a simple port of that classic Nintendo game. Like, the first thing I noticed right away uh, was how much more limber Mario is in this game. He can do handstands and flips, and he can pick stuff up, like, um, very similar to, like, Mario 2, and... Just overall, his movement and agility feel a lot better. The The controls in general are just sort of flowing and, uh, and loose in a, in a good way. Once you complete those first four levels, things take a, for me, unsuspecting turn. Suddenly there's a whole like world map similar to Mario 3 or Super Mario World, and levels are branching out in a multitude of ways, and there's themed worlds and stuff like that. And... 
the levels themselves now take on a much more like puzzle-oriented approach. And it honestly uh, reminded me a lot of the Mario versus Donkey Kong series mixed with a healthy dose of the NES uh, quote-unquote classic Wrecking Crew. Which, by the way, Wrecking Crew, there's a Wrecking Crew stage in the Smash Bros. for Wii U, and it's freaking rad, it's, which is weird to say, but I was completely not expecting it and <laughs> played on it the first time. I was like, this is amazing. Anyway, back to Donkey Kong. Um, the the puzzles are, they're pretty challenging, you know, but at least as far as I got, it never became, like, unreasonably hard or, like, difficult to figure out. And additionally, like, extra lives are really easy to come by. And by, like, World 4, I never even had to spend much time thinking about dying again. So even though I didn't get that far, I did do enough research to know there's over 100 levels in this game, making the replay, replay value just enormous. Um, and it's, it's really the perfect kind of handheld game, especially on the 3DS, where you can use the sleep feature, restore points to make, like, you know, it's, it's just the optimal mobile experience and you know even though i don't think it's the best game like it's pretty damn good it's the best version of donkey kong i think you can find uh, at least the old school donkey kong you know of course i think donkey kong country is the best thing ever but what's it like playing the little is it an original game boy game yeah what's it like playing an original game boy game on the 3ds like is it weird that the pea soup green is gone or... okay so about that first off like the graphics are i don't know if they're stretched or what it is i think i don't know if i don't know the resolution doesn't seem optimized like it seems a little blurry and smudgy i, th I guess but um with any virtual console title on the game boy at least as far as handhelds go i know game gear games and game boy games and game boy color you can do secret button combinations while the game's booting up, and uh, you have a couple different options. You can play the original Pea Soup Green, and it's emulated, so it's not perfect. It's actually a little brighter mm -hmm. than the original. And then there's another one to play in 3D, where it shrinks down the resolution to the original Game Boy size, which means the screen's super tiny, but it also gives you a border around the screen that looks like you're playing on the, the, the system it was originally developed for. And so I'll I'll do, like, the, the original Game Boy border with a pea soup screen, and it's pretty good uh, repl replication. Is that a word? Sure. Yep. <laughs> of the original mm -hmm. experience. Like, I think some of the, the blur and stuff that it gets from being stretched out when it's just, like, the black and white uh, full screen on the 3DS uh, is gone. But then it's super tiny. So I don't know. It's probably still better than trying to find like perfect lighting in your house to play the original Game Boy under. I don't know. I, I felt like that system was easier to see than the GBA was. You are correct. Oh, yeah. Absolutely correct. <laughs> Although I do remember having to contort into weird positions on car rides to see the Game Boy. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It was impossible if there was low light. Go through a tunnel, lose your life. Yep. That's yep. why you got the Super Game Boy. Or that's not what it was called. <laughs> what the heck was that thing called? You had it too, didn't you, Kevin? That month. I think it was the Super Game what Boy. Was it? Super Game Boy was the attachment for Super Nintendo, which was rad. It was great, but it, then your games aren't portable uh, anymore. No, the um, Power Boy, maybe. I never had that. Oh, 
had I, I know what you're talking about now and I didn't have it it didn't fit in my carrying case anymore once I got that thing so it was like a magnifier and mm-hmm. a, a light a front light yeah so there was glare which was annoying <laughs> and then it like bigger didn't it have like speakers on it too? stereo speakers that fold out and um it was ridiculous looking I saw one at a flea market not that long ago how much did they want for it? That's got to be pretty expensive. I don't remember. You know what? I don't think it's highly sought after. Really? I don't believe so. <laughs> Can't imagine. It was why. kind of a monstrosity. It's it. Suddenly, it's it's the size of a, a launch PS2. So it's like <laughs> not the best portable system. It's worse than the original Xbox controller. I feel like we all need to start googling this. Now. Handy boy. Handy boy. Okay. A Handy Boy new in the box goes for $115, but a used one you can get for, like, under 20 mm. So there you go. That was worth, it's pretty, worth it. It's pretty intense. It makes your Game Boy look like a board cube. <laughs> it, it assimilated my sister. <laughs> okay. Well, let's move on to the big review for this episode. Take it away, Emrys. Okay, you guys are expecting a big review, but the truth is that it's another Pokemon game. <laughs> the end. Three Pokemon out of five. <laughs> <laughs> so, the difficulty with reviewing um, Pokemon Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire, Oras as it's called, is that it's not the dramatic change that Pokemon X and Y was. Yeah. Are you telling Nintendo to jam that OR up their AS? <laughs> no. I I think... I'm really actually very interested to see what they come out with next year for Pokemon. Hopefully nothing. Because they've... Yeah. I, 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 I think we're, we're going to get something, at least, if not, in 2015, early 2016. I think Nintendo's board is going to have a meeting, and they're going to say, do we want to make money next year? And they're going to say yes, and then they're going to say, let's make a Pokemon game. And then they're going to say, okay. We're getting that fighting game. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I've seen about it. Isn't that an arcade game? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's starting out as an arcade game, but it, it, I'm assuming it will come out for Wii U. And it's uh, 
being made by, I believe, the Tekken team, and they want it to appeal mm-hmm. to older gamers. Oh, hardcore guys. Right. You know what a great way to make a game that appeals to old gamers is? Make a Pokemon game. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, the the fact is that it's not even an original property, because they're just re, um, they're remaking a Generation 3 game. Which I actually remember, I remember vaguely playing the uh, original Ruby on the Game Boy Advance, going through this game. I'm not, I don't remember enough to be spoiled. But I'm like, oh yeah, the bicycle highway where you um, where you ride your mock bike and the trick room and the Team Magma, I remember a little bit. Well, the problem with remaking Ruby and Sapphire is that the major contributions that those iterations of the series made have been incorporated in everything since then. Like, the dual battle was, you know, in X and Y, and the, this was the, the original Ruby and Sapphire was the first game to, to introduce natures into the series, which, you know, because people apparently weren't OCD enough before. <laughs> so, like, while that was a pretty major contribution, overall, I felt like Generation 3 was very underwhelming, had some of the lamest Pokemon, so I was very not at all excited for the remakes. The interesting thing is that um, Omega Ruby and Sapphire are bring and Alpha Sapphire are bringing back some stuff that hasn't been in a Pokemon game since Generation Three. Like they're bringing back contests, which are a goofy sort of Pokemon competition where you try to maximize your Pokemon's coolness, cuteness, toughness, and there's a couple more. And you do that by training them in different moves that are like non-combat moves and you use them I actually have not done any contests because I find them to be kind of stupid yeah I remember doing that in Ruby because that's the version of the game I had and Mm -hmm. in the middle of my first contest I became like vaguely aware of this pain in my chest (laughs) and it became it started to grow sharper and sharper until it was almost unbearable and I looked down and noticed that I was actually stabbing myself in the chest <laughs> with a massive cooking knife. Like one of those knives that you use to like dice up onions. Yeah, Michael Myers Chef's knife. I was stabbing myself with one of those knives. And actually, that wasn't even the pain I was noticing. The pain was from the fact that I was now twisting it. <laughs> and I found myself unable to stop until I actually quit playing contests. <laughs> I can't say that I have the exact same experience, but I do remember being very irritated and not really understanding what the point is. But it's not like Pokemon battling, where you go online and you find someone and you fight. I think it's just like an AI thing, like a single player thing. You missed a very big part of going online and fighting. You go online, you find someone, you fight them, and then you lose horribly. That's how it always goes. You lose instantaneously. And feel terrible. Like, you get matched with a Bunnelby that has quick attack. And you're like, oh, I can, I can handle this. And the Bunnelby just kicks your ass. <laughs> I'll never forget that feeling. I'll never forget that feeling. Because Bunnelby doesn't even have an Omega form. Like, an, an, an Omega form. It, it's not, it's not a, a, like an OP dragon or something with 600 ability points. It's just fucking Bunnelby. <laughs> 
and it has quick attack which is not quick attack is not even the top tier priority move like there are other priority moves a priority move is one that goes first always that are stronger than quick attack but no he didn't use one of those just used quick attack quick attack is something that like your ratata learns at level seven that's interesting because i was just about to say that Bunnelby is basically just a Ratata that eventually grows tits. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I was thinking. I was thinking of a different one. There's a different rabbit that grows tits. Yeah, there is one. Uh, I f- I forget which one it is. I was thinking of Lopunny. Yep, yep, it's Lopunny. I kind of want to look that one up now for scientific research purposes. <laughs> <laughs> Only look it up if you want to see a pair of magnificent tits. How do you spell it? L O P U N N Y. Yep. Those are actually its elbows. Um, because there's a why do I want to bury now. my face in its elbows? <laughs> and the further I scroll down, the worse it gets. <laughs> yes. Oh, it goes right into exactly where you think it's going to. <laughs> Let me Google that shit. There's a megalopony, which is not gross. Does it look like megalopony does not have tits? Yeah. We've we spent surprisingly little time actually talking about the new game so far. Well, here's the thing, is that I love Pokemon, and I'm playing. I'm sitting here. I'm playing this game, which is effectively just another Pokemon game, where you basically go through the same motions that you do in X and Y. And I'm aware of this, but I'm still having a fucking awesome time. Like I'm spending twelve hours in one day on a Saturday, playing Pokemon, and I'm loving it. And so I spent a lot of time trying to figure out why. And the truth is that these games are really well made. They're very highly polished. Like, there are some new features in Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire that are not in X and Y. Let's talk about the most important one, full analog movement. Oh, yeah. Um, There's a cool sneak feature. That's new to the whole series, never been done before, where um, Pokemon will appear in the wild as a wagging tail sticking out of the tall grass. They actually show up everywhere that you can be randomly um, attacked by Pokemon. And then you can use your Pokedex to scan whatever's wagging its tail. And you can find Pokemon that have unusual moves or their hidden ability that way, which is pretty neat. Huh. And then you have to creep up on them using the analog stick, and you then capture them normally. I played the demo, and one of the things about sneaking I found frustrating is sometimes I just wanted to walk slower, and then he just starts creeping. Yeah, yeah. So I, I wish it was a... Um, like in Fantasy Life, where it was like a button. Well, to just walk normally at the normal speed, you use the you can use the D-pad. That's what I do. I actually hardly ever use the analog stick now because I don't like accidentally creeping. Okay. So I do all my movement with the the D-pad. Um, and the sneaking thing, I I think it's cool for when you're when you're really like interested in hunting down Pokemon. Um, but for me, what I actually did was I trained up a dream team in Pokemon Y and I imported that into Omega Ruby at like level level 12 or something. So I imported this dream team and I've been playing with them. So I haven't actually bothered to capture any Pokemon. I have like 12 wow. that I got in the first like 20 minutes of the game. 
who did you take as your starter? I I picked um, Mudkip as my starter, but then I imported Blaziken, okay. Torchic actually. Um, so I have two. I have two of the starters. What keeps you going? Because I'm sure the story isn't phenomenal. The story in Pokemon is very linear, and it it's composed of obstacles that keep you within a specific area and then you have to find some obstacle and bypass it to get onto the next zone and the zones are like the roads and every pokemon game follows this formula but the interesting thing is that it's still fun to unlock these zones because the way you do that is by playing the game where you go and you find a trainer to fight and then you defeat them and then you get a badge usually and then the badge unlocks a new power and the power lets you unlock the next zone and so the game keeps you invested in finding other pokemon trainers and battling them which the battling is easy because it's the the regular ai um it's not the it's not even the ai it's the fact that the trainers only ever have one Pokemon, one or two. Even the even yeah. the Pokemon gyms usually only have three. It, once you have a Pokemon in your party that is strong against their team, you just win. It's like they only have rock, and so you bring out paper every time. Which normally, when you just play the game straight, you are limited in what Pokemon you have that you can put in your party. So, like, there'll be a fire gym, let's say, and then you don't have any fishing rods, so you can't bring a water Pokemon to the fire gym, and you have to, like, be creative or do a little research or just train your Pokemon up so they can survive. And that's where the challenge comes in when you play Vanilla. When you get to import a dream team, you really never have that problem because you just pick a wide variety of Pokemon that are strong in their element, mm -hmm. and you have an answer for 90% of things that they can throw at you. So I have a question for you. You said that in order to progress, you had to be like a Pokemon trainer. Is that due to, um, do they, did they return to uh, requiring HM moves to progress through the game? Like, through the yeah. story of the game? They did? Yeah. Oh, that's unfortunate. Because they didn't really do that in X and Y. Like, that was one of the things that I really liked. Is that they, didn't, they didn't make you put these garbage moves on your Pokemon. Yeah, I, I really don't like the garbage moves. Um, and I think that that's partly... The, the reason for that is partly because it's a remake. So they just kept the original challenges. It just seems like a massive step back, though. It is frustrating, and I, I actually, that is one of the things I dislike. How about this, though? How about this strategy? Get a garbage Pokemon, give it the garbage HM move, and then have it as a backup for those random times well, you need to fly or swim or whatever. Well, the thing is not, like, I don't think there are any Pokemon who can learn all of the HMs that you're going to need. True. And and at that, at that same point, you still have that, one Pokemon in your party that's garbage, so there's, you know, one Pokemon from your main party that you don't have with you at all times. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And it's annoying having to switch them out. Uh, but the truth is that when you're playing through just the regular main game from 
start to the final four, your Pokemon really only use one move. I have an Ice Water Lapras. I love Lapras, by the way. I know she's <laughs> not like the optimal, but she's I the optimal Lapras. in the adorableness category. Yeah, Ice Ice Water is a pretty rare combination. And she has, like, by far the most hit points of most water Pokemon. Like, I can't think of... Maybe Waylord has more hit points. But Lapras is awesome. And so I use Ice Beam and Surf. And that's it. Like, that's those are the only moves that I ever use when I have Lapras out. Because, because it one-shots... One of those two moves will one-shot pretty much anything that she's strong against. So I don't mind having Surf because it's like it's a it's a halfway decent move that's the water type and that's really all that I want when I have Lapras out. So I actually haven't had that much of a problem with the HM moves because I was prepared to have my my main characters like my my pocket set of Pokemon, you know, be half combat moves and then half HMs. Because that's just how the story works. The more frustrating thing is Secret Power is a move that you have to have if you want to unlock secret bases. <laughs> so I, I'm a little annoyed that one of my characters has to have Secret Power, even though I already have a secret base, because I just want to like I just want to check the secret bases that I come in to see if any of them are awesome. What is a secret base? The secret bases are the Street Pass feature uh, for Pokemon Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire. And I'm not completely sure how they work, because I've actually run into a secret base without having Street Pass with anybody. Like, another character in my game has a secret base. So I don't know, I don't know if I like picked up a secret base from somebody that I traded with, because I did a couple of Wonder Trades. But the way it works is that you can decorate them uh, Animal Crossing style. Oh, shoot. Yup. You can buy dolls and stuff of Pokemon and fill up your little room with all kinds of crazy stuff. Is that where you put your dressed-up Pikachu? No, your dressed-up Pikachu is an actual Pikachu. He's one of the Pokemon in your party. Gross. Yeah. <laughs> the screenshots of that are horrifying to me. So I actually have a friend... For whom cosplay Pikachu is like a killer feature. Because she just is really into that kind of costume dressing up lifestyle. Anyway, so the secret bases are something that you like. It's a multiplayer feature where you like capture a flag and you can fight the other person in a battle style that they choose. And there's some kind of like ranking system that it gives you where you unlock rewards based on how many flags you capture. I honestly like it seems like a pretty deep sort of game that I don't really have a lot of access to because I don't have anyone to street pass with. <laughs> you got to go to McDonald's or Starbucks or something. Yeah, I think I might have to start I might have to start visiting McDonald's or get your home network set up again. Yeah, well the problem with that is I have to hook my laptop up to the by a cable. You can't do it wirelessly. Gotcha. It's a pain in the ass, is what I'm saying. Okay. As much of a pain in the ass as it is to go to McDonald's and have people see you there. <laughs> right. You did a whole stand-up routine on how much you hate people you know seeing you at fast food restaurants. <laughs> it's true, I do. I've actually this is a this is a tangent, but I've actually been craving a McRib 
<laughs> Even though I know that I don't like McRibs. Like, I've had them before because of the same craving, and I didn't enjoy it then. But I can't stop craving the McRib. And I'm wondering if there's, like, if I can go to the grocery store and just buy those pork patties there and make my own McRibs. I'm pretty sure Boca makes a pretty good substitute. You could get a very uh, much more low-fat version. Where do you get those? A grocery store. grocery store that carries, like, vegan fake burgers and that kind of thing. Yeah, the one that Morningstar Farms does is pretty decent. Maybe that's what it is. They're vegetarian, though? Yeah. Yeah. It's all about the sauce. Huh. The texture is not going to be the same because you can, you well, no, the texture of a McRib is it's garbage. Awful. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so um, I'm, I'm wondering about a few of the things I was disappointed with when I played the demo. Like I doubt they're improved in the full version, but I noticed that the, once again, the 3D is super inconsistent. There is no 3D yeah. in certain battles. There is no 3D on the overworld. And when mm-hmm. you're even playing a basic battle and you turn 3D on, the frame rate just drops drastically. I've noticed the same thing. <sighs> and I, I, I'm wondering what the deal is with that. Because it's strange to have a 3DS game that's not in 3D. And honestly, these games are not meant to be played in 3D. I guess, but they would look hot. They would look hot. Maybe on the new, new 3DS that's out in Japan now, and hopefully will be in America in the spring, mm-hmm. will improve that, because the processing power is ridiculously high. Yeah. I'm wondering if maybe they just use the processor in the 3DS for other Pokemon-related stuff, and just don't want to waste it on the 3D. It's possible. I mean, they did a similar thing in Smash Bros. You notice how Smash Bros, like, you try to go to the home menu and you're done playing, it takes 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. It's because, yeah. like, it's using every available resource to play the game, including the stuff that's normally reserved for Miiverse and the main menu and all that. Yeah, I noticed that too. So that's disappointing, but we had it with X and Y, so it's not the end of the world. I still played 180 hours of that. Mm-hmm. It's honestly a much bigger deal to me that they require HMs for story progression again. (laughs) It's really, like, the thing is, my philosophy when you're playing the main story is you have a set of Pokemon that is just for the story. So they have one powerful attack move, you train their speed up, so they go first, and then everything else is HMs. Because that's really all you need to beat the final four, is just a strong attack move that goes first. Yeah. And then you just blast through the the story, and then you can train your Pokemon to do whatever you want. Like, you get one that has fly, and that's all you really need after that. Yeah, I guess. Um, The battle box sort of, um, that's an X and Y feature, sort of alleviates some of the pain from that too. The battle box is a place where you can store six Pokemon on the PC. And so if you go to, like, the Battle Mansion or whatever, you can opt to use your Battle Box Pokemon instead of the Pokemon you have in your pocket. I guess that's useful. How's the music? Oh, the music is awesome. I couldn't tell you, like, a specific song from it that I like because it's all really well done. Um, there's a lot of classic Pokemon tunes, like the, um, Pokemon Center music is, is really classic. 
But then other songs, like the character fights, like when you're fighting at someone with a name, that's really cool. Yeah. And the area music is really awesome, too. Like the, the tune that you use when you get on your bicycle is super great. Because you end up hearing that a lot. Is the bicycle actually usable in this game? Like, I, I felt like in past games, it just made the controls impossibly bad. So, it is annoying, and this is true for every Pokemon game. When you're on your bicycle, it's hard to de- go from like one square to another adjacent square. You end up overshooting constantly. Yeah. So, doing detailed stuff like that is still a pain in the ass. But otherwise, the bicycle is from getting you quickly from one place to another, which it does pretty well. Alright. Actually, I like, when I'm just going from zone to zone, I like to put on the um, locator thing that detects hidden objects. Oh yeah, that's a cool item. In in Omega Ruby, it's a a pair of googly um, antennas that you wear on your head, (laughs) which is pretty neat. You know what else I really loved about the demo was the news cast that's going on the entire time on the bottom screen. Oh, that's actually really obnoxious. <laughs> really? I What I liked about it, and I only played the demo for maybe an hour or two, but um, it was just cool. Like, it was something to... Yeah. It was something going on. It, it made the game feel more alive than just a static screen on the bottom, or just, like, your Pokemon punching in a punching bag or whatever they were doing in X and Y. Like, yeah. I don't know. It was... it. It doesn't give you any mind-blowing, cool information that I know of, but I thought it was cute and cool. It is. It is. Um, the, the, that kind of thing has always been in certain places in Pokemon. Like, if you go and watch a TV, you'll get a similar sort of snippet. Yeah. And this is just going on all the time in your lower screen. The problem that I have with it is that it's really distracting from playing the game having to read these little panels that never stop. Yeah. That never stop. (laughs) So I can't have that screen up because then I just, I just have to stop and look at it or I'm distracted from playing. Um, There are a lot of little polishing things that they did to this game that I appreciate. Like the, the camera is much more dynamic and they use the um, 3d, not the 3d effect, but the, the three-dimensional assets they use to good effect. Like, they have the animations are super great. Like, there's uh, one of the contest characters has this great animation where she, like, bows and does a salute. And it's so adorable. And, like, all of the animations for the characters are equally dynamic uh, and it just gives so much character to everything that's going on. And the writing is also really strong in terms of characterizing the NPCs that you run into. Like, you get a feeling for the different Team Magma bosses that you run into over and over again. And they all have really different personalities. And I think that's really, like, it shows that these games are really well made. I feel like Team Magma might have been the worst of the teams that they ever had in a Pokemon game, though. Really? What's their motivation? Their motivation is to create more landmass for the entire world, so they're yeah. doing away with the ocean. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> because that can't be catastrophic in any way. <laughs> so is it revealed at the end that they're actually um, members of IGN? 
you don't get that joke. I don't. Um, apparently, I didn't read the review, but apparently when they reviewed this game, one of their negative comments, one of their few negative comments was, too much water. Yes, there was a. I do remember there being a lot of water, though. I mean, maybe Team Magma wasn't wrong. Yeah, maybe like they actually like knocked off points because of the amount of water you have to traverse in the game or something. It is annoying to go because you have to use surf to get anywhere, and then you can be attacked at any time. So you have to use repels if you want to quickly get around. Otherwise, you're constantly interrupted by damn Pokemon. Who needs that? Who wants to have Pokemon attacking them in a Pokemon game? (laughs) (laughs) So, the truth is that I love Pokemon, and I probably will never stop buying them at this point. The last time I stopped was because I hated all the things that they fixed when they upgraded to the X and Y system. So, uh, what, what score would you give this game? I honestly, I have no idea how to score it because I could give it five. Pokeball is out of five, but it, the, it's a kind of an average Pokemon release. So on, on a scale of, on a scale of just Pokemon games, it's a three or a four, but on a scale of all games aggregate, it's so well polished that I, I have to give it five. Awesome. And yeah. I'm just, I'm just a Poke fan. Like if, if I were one of the trainers in the game, I would be a Pokemaniac or something. I, I only have I only have two kind of stupid Pokemon, but I'm constantly in wait for trainers to come by so that I can futilely battle them. <laughs> that is sort of what playing online is like. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. Well, I guess that wraps it up. <laughs> we still don't know how to end our episodes now that we have the uh, outro. <laughs> well, I'm going to wrap it up by saying I can't stop my nose from running, so I'm going to go. That sounds fair. All right. Have a good evening, Mark. I hope you feel better. Thanks for listening, everybody. Go over to portablepower.popularoutcast.com. Clear your cookies or use incognito mode. Do the shopping that you'd normally do. We'll get a small cut of whatever it is you spend at no additional cost to you. Help us get noticed. Go over to iTunes, rate, review, and subscribe to the Portable Power Podcast. Get in touch with us. Maybe you'd like to send us a game review request or your own answer to our question of the week. You can email us at portablepowerpodcast at gmail.com or use Facebook, facebook.com slash portablepowerpodcast. Or get in touch with us on Twitter at portablepowerfm. Drink responsibly and listen to the next episode of the Portable Power Podcast so you can witness what happens when people don't. No, it's fine. I'll, um, I'm recording now, I'm so recording. I can talk about delicious pubic hair. I'm recording also. Emerus's pubic hair. It's not really <laughs> the deliciousness of the pubic hair, it's the how audible is it. Mm. <laughs> well, that uh, telling you guys to record just dried everything right up. Yep.
Yeah. Just like my pubes or something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> my dry old pubes. Question of the week. Question of the week. Do the carpets match the drapes? <laughs> Not my favorite. <laughs> no. Do you have a why why not why not World of Warcraft? Because that's like twenty of my most memorable RPG experiences. You can talk about World of Warcraft, that would be cool. Like why not? I guess the expansion did just drop. Yeah. Unlike the quest items that you need in that game. <laughs> they drop. You just have to Eventually. Yep. It's all noobed down now. I remember the good old days of WoW when it was impossible. And frustratingly unfun. It's still it's still impossible <laughs> to enjoy. 